It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome into the VolQuest podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Brent Hubs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. Appreciate you guys for being here. Starting your Tuesday with us as we recap a little bit of Tennessee and Texas A&M, but more importantly, looking ahead to the third Saturday in October, that's Alabama and Tennessee. Go ahead and hit this thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Let's get this video to 500 likes. I uh, appreciate you guys for watching. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. But more importantly, Brent Hubs, what a great time. What a great offer this week. A third Saturday in October sale at VolQuest.com to see all the awesome premium content we have. Yep, no better time to check us out. You can get a year for half price uh, as part of this big game special. So uh, be sure and jump in and, and get signed up and check out what all we're doing at VolQuest beyond just the podcast that you can find in all your podcast distribution outlets, including YouTube as well. But if you uh, sign up, you'll see all of the things that we do on the message board, all of the other uh, premium content out there as well. We've got a ton of things planned for this week, getting ready for this game, and obviously had a ton of coverage coming out of that Texas A&M win. So take advantage of that awesome deal this week only at VolQuest.com. And as always, a big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. Give them a call at 865-524-5888. You can always visit them online, com. All right, let's reflect a little bit. I know we did on the Rocket Top Rewind and all that before we transition to what Josh Heupel and players said Monday uh, but let's talk about that Texas A&M game. Uh, again, a couple days out, Austin Price passing game struggled immensely, but, man, Tennessee ran the football. Tennessee stopped the run. Tennessee played well defensively. Tennessee scored a special teams touchdown. Tennessee played a really good ball game, albeit couldn't throw the football, but everywhere else, Tennessee played a pretty stout ball game. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's got to figure out the passing game. Um, they, they've got to figure out how to – I'm not saying they got to throw over 300 yards, but they get, they can't throw for 100. They, they've got to be yeah. in that two, two to 250 range that Joe's been in most of the year. And if they do that and can continue to run the ball, I mean, since Cooper's back, they're averaging 237 and a half yards on the ground. And Brandon was pointed out to us outside of the thing, and I really hadn't thought about it. You know, when you take away penalties and you take away sacks, I mean, Tennessee nearly ran for 300 yards against the stoutest run team, uh, run defense in the nation. Yeah. Um, with Cooper at the center spot. I mean, like, I just feel like that, you know, he, he's getting them in and out of things and uh, the communication will be key this week on the road at Alabama. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think that's where it starts. You got to avoid those pre-snap penalties that, that plagued them at Florida and that has played that have plagued them on the road. Tennessee's got to handle that part of it. Well, and Rob, I don't want to sell the offensive line short in any way, shape or form, but the running backs in this run game, um, are, are playing at a level we haven't seen a whole lot of running backs play at at Tennessee um, in, in the last few years. I mean, they, they, those guys are playing really well, starting with Jalen with Jalen Wright. Yeah, Jalen Wright's been sensational. I mean, you know, going back to the summer, I know AP was probably the first one that, that, that was, you know, banging the drum that, you know, he had a great offseason. People were, you know, the, the, the buzz that he had created over, you know, in, in the building with, with the work he had done. And, that man, he is – he has proven that that to be the case. I mean, he's he's leading the SEC in, in yards per attempt at seven, right at seven point two. Which, you know, six games into the year, that that's those aren't fluff numbers anymore. I mean, you're not just you know, that seven yards of carry is is a result of just playing a you know a bunch of non conference passes. I mean, he's he got it done this week against Texas A and M. The way it just seems like he's he's to the second level almost every time. And I mean, he had nineteen carries last week, and eight of them were, went for ten plus yards. 
against the best run defense in, in the SEC. I mean, that's 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 a pretty robust stat right there. I want to go back, and it's something that uh, I guess Brent just said a moment ago, um, and, and it'll be a theme of this week. We'll continue to talk about it as the week goes on, but this is something that was asked to Josh Heupel and Cooper Mays on Monday. And remember, Cooper Mays didn't play in that Florida game where Tennessee had a lot of pre-snap penalties and all that. But you go back to November of 2022, and you know Tennessee struggled on the road. Athens, Georgia, Columbia, South Carolina, and then the Swamp earlier this year. I don't count Vanderbilt or the Orange Bowl. How do you alleviate some of those pre-snap penalties? How do you get better in that regard and not let that be a theme going to Tuscaloosa this weekend? Here's what Josh Heupel and center Cooper Mays had to say about limiting the crowd noise and those pre-snap penalties. End of the day, uh, we got to do a great job of communicating. Um, you got to focus on your job and uh, be dialed into that. Uh, it's 11 on 11 when you're inside the line. So, um, you know, we've continued to work that. Um, believe we'll be be ready for it when we uh, hit game day. Yeah, just doing our job at a high level. You know, I think if you look at all those things that went wrong in that game, a lot of it was self-inflicted. So, just going out there, being ready for the moment, and you know, just having clear communication, even when it's loud out there just doing our jobs at a really high level. Um, it, it just differs kind of on the environment. Basically for, you know, cadence, they'll do some silent count stuff if it's going to be a loud environment. And then, you know, just different facets of snap count and if it's going to be verbal on the hands or silent. Um, not much, but kind of stuff like that in third down. You know, if you went to your everyday job and somebody put a speaker right next to your head and it was about as loud as it got, you probably wouldn't be very good at your job. So that's that's just the challenge. It's just it's an added level of chaos a little bit. I like there at the end, Austin, he says, hey, he's not being a smart aleck. He's just trying to tell you what it's like. You put a speaker in somebody's ear and say, hey, do your job. It'd be a little difficult. But back to matter is, you go on the road in the SEC, that's what you're going to get. And so how do you overcome that challenge, Austin, this week for Tennessee? And it's something that's not done too well the last couple of trips. I, I don't know. You know, I don't think, you know, and, and I don't think you'll know till Saturday. I mean, you can, it's not like they don't pipe in the crowd noise over their practice and try to make it as, you know, simulated as possible. They do that, you know, and they've done that. You know, every coach has done that that's ever been here. Um, but, you know, until you go out there and prove it, you know, I think it, you have to wonder in the back of your mind, can Tennessee go through a game and have a limited, and they're going to have some pre-snap penalties. That's going to happen anytime you're on the road. Can they have limited pre-snap penalties? And, and I just don't know what you can do outside of just continuing to work it, work your silent counts, all those type of things, and practice, um, and, and then get you know see it happen in a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, and again, you know, Georgia last year was was as loud of an environment as Tennessee's played in. Uh, I think Florida this year was loud, but I mean, I think that was more of a product of Ollie Lane playing center for the first time on the road. Yeah. You go back to that South Carolina game. I mean, they had seven penalties for 60 yards in that game, but they put up 500 yards of offense. Um, it wasn't like they were just – the defense was the issue there, and that wasn't necessarily crowd noise affecting them that way. Um, so, we'll see. I, I mean, I think having Cooper back is a big deal. Joe's just got to operate fast, you know, when, and your tackles have to – you know, everybody's just got to be locked in, as Cooper said. Uh, I think you have to be careful, Eric, to – not make it too big of a deal if you're Josh Heupel. I think there's a fine line in, hey, getting your team ready, um, pipe in the crowd noise, do all the things, as opposed to getting everybody so worked up about it that it gets into your mind a little bit about 
you know, how bad the crowd noise affected you the last time you played, that kind of stuff. I think there's an interesting line to play there if you're the coaching staff. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, again, you prepare, as Austin said. I mean, this is this is not new. This isn't, um, you know, this week of practice with it being super loud over there. I mean, this has been the same way since Heupel's been here for the last three years. It's happened with other coaches. Uh, prepare that way, but don't make that the theme. The theme needs to be continuing to run the football, you know, playing your brand of football and getting back to taking some shots and connecting down the field and playing that brand of Tennessee football under Josh Heupel. Rob, to do that, and again, the overarching theme, you know, is, is Joe Milton quarterback play. Uh, Josh Heupel was asked about the confidence of Joe Milton, kind of how to get him going again. Here's what the head coach, Josh Heupel, had to say about Joe Milton Monday at the press conference. You know, when, when you don't play your best football, you got to be able to wipe it clean. When you play your, your best football, you got to be able to wipe it clean too. And um, at the end of the day, have a, a routine that takes you to kickoff so that you are putting yourself in a consistent position to go play your best. Joe's been really mature in how he has prepared. Um, there's some things fundamentally that uh, he's done really well that he didn't do in, in the last one. Um, we got we to gotta be a little bit better in the pass game. That's him. That's you know, the wideouts, it's, it's everybody. So Rob, I mean, you, you, you saw it right there. Josh Hopple's going to say that's him. It's the wideouts. It's the coaches. It's everybody. End of the day, 11 to 22, hundred yards got to be better than that. So you're the coach, man. How, how do you fix that? This million dollar question, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that you can't, I mean, I, you know, we're six games into his, the, the, this, you know, his six, sixth year of, of college football. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot, you know, out there that, that, you know, I don't think there's any rocks out there that, that Josh Heupel hasn't looked looked under as far as Joe Milton's development. And I, you know, I think it's you know, at this point in the season, it's it's his limitations. I think are clearly you know affecting you know the play call and the way Josh is going about managing the game. But I think it's kind of fascinating too, though. For the first time ever, he's got a ground game he can lean on. He can you know he can play field position. He can play defense, and but he doesn't have that explosive passing game. And I, I think it's really interesting to see how, how Coach Heupel is kind of navigating this because it's a, the, the makeup of the team is completely different. You know, the strengths and weaknesses of the team are completely different than what they've been the first two years. And, you know, the passing game does have to be better if they're going to be competitive this weekend, if they're going to be competitive against Georgia. You know, but they're still 5-1, and one and they're finding a way to get it done. I, to me, I mean, Milton's just got to do the little things. I mean, I think – He's got to he's got to be able to hit the little slants. You know, he was good against South Carolina. He threw he threw behind multiple times on you know little short keep the chains moving throws. And you know the big the big one the overriding one the interceptions. I mean the last two weeks he's just been fooled into a pick where he just flat out didn't see the safety in the middle of the field. And that's you know hey that's that's where safeties hang out. That shouldn't you know that, that shouldn't be a surprise. I mean for for a guy that's that's play that's that. that that's this deep into his college career. You know, the the one against South Carolina gave South Carolina seven points. The one against Texas A&M took at least three points off the board for Tennessee coming in the end zone and, and maybe more. So, I mean, at this point in time, I, I'm not looking for a miracle. If I'm Josh Heupel, make, you know, make the easy throws. Don't throw in double coverage. And you're right. I guess that's how I should have phrased it, Brent, because I guess what I should have said was, and Rob kind of hit on that. Watch the safety, make the easy throws, um, you know, stuff like that. How do you not let your play calling from your head coach be affected by your play? Because clearly in that second half, the play calling was affected because there, there was a lack of trust or at certain situations in the passing game. Well, I mean, I, I think it, I think part of that depends on how 
you, the game is going. I mean, I was dumbfounded that Josh Heupel threw the football on the last field goal possession that Tennessee had after the, the Judy Lawley interception. Um, that, you know, given given where you were at, I mean, you know, yeah, you wanted a touchdown to put it away, but, you know, get your points there. I, I mean, I think if you talk about play calling, how does it affect play calling? It's going to affect it in two areas with, with, with Joe Milton. And I think this is – if you're keeping a stat track on – on Saturday to watch it's how aggressive are they throwing the football in the red zone? Because what happens in the red zone, tighter space, smaller windows, AP, you have to make quicker decisions. The ball's got to get gone in a hurry in the red zone. So how does Tennessee play the passing game in the red zone? And then secondly, how many times do they throw over the middle of the football field? Those are the two stats to me that tells you kind of where they think they are uh, with, with this passing game and with Joe Milton. Now maybe that's not fair to say, but those will be the two stats I'd keep an eye on on Saturday. Two things I would keep an eye on Saturday to tell you really kind of what kind of confidence they have in this passing game right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to uh, you have to look at those areas, and um, you know, I think that you know, using Joe's legs at this point, you know, I think that that's got to be part of it. We talked about that on the Rocky Top Rewind a little bit. Um, you know, whether it's five, six, seven design runs, whatever it is, you know. You, you know, do something with him. They've done a little bit with that with him. You know, they had the option play the other day. He made the nice read. They did a couple of, you know, um, you know, delays where you know he takes the snap back, so he's gonna drop back and then takes off running. And and those didn't go for much. But again, that keeps the defense honest. And, you know, I think eventually if, if you're able to have enough success with it, then you know, if you act like you're gonna run one of those plays and then actually drop back and throw a pop pass or whatever, it it may go for a, a decent chunk of yardage. Um, you know, if, if the if the you know receiver catches it, unlike Saturday when you know, Ramel Keaton missed that nice uh, nice throw, lollipop throw to to you know what should have been a touchdown or at least a big gain. So um, you know, I, I think getting Joe some confidence, and I think a lot of that just runs you know hardcore into you know using his legs some because I think they're going to have to. Yeah, I think they have to use his legs, Rob. I think the question is, are we going to see the Joe Milton legs that we saw in the second half where he's knocking linebackers out of the game and and he's you know, he's punishing for an extra yard here or there. Are we going to see the, the guy who ran out of bounds in the first quarter and pulled up two yards short of the sticks? I mean, his legs have to be effective. I liked what he did with his legs in the second half because I thought he was much more aggressive with them yeah. than he was in the first half, Rob. Yeah, I, I agree. That's I mean, every little bit helps. I mean, it's got to be a part of this offense. Um, and, you know, just like AP said, it doesn't – that didn't have to be huge chunk plays. Just you know, keep keep them honest. I mean, give them something else to think about. I mean, make the defensive end you know wonder on, on the zone read. I mean, so it's not you know he, he can't just crash down inside every single time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I mean, you you look at Joe Benton and his his physical ability, and it would seem pretty obvious that hey, this this guy's legs need to be a part of the equation. And I and I, I thought you saw that in the second half against Texas A and M, and hopefully. You know that that gives him some confidence, but I just don't. You know, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's timid. I just don't think he's looking to run. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think he's timid at all. I don't mean to give that impression. I just don't think that's kind of his instinctual way of playing the position. We'll transition into uh, the third Saturday in October, Tennessee, Alabama. Of course, we'll have a complete preview from every different angle as the week goes on. For that, we'll talk Tennessee, Alabama when we return. But a quick shout outs and, and some more recruiting as well. A quick shout-out and a big thank you to our proud presenting sponsors of the FallQuest podcast, that is Exterior Home Solutions. It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. 
Hey dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. As always, a big thank you to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making this coverage possible. Uh, Tennessee 5-1, 2-1 in SEC play, and will now have a two-game road swing, first at Alabama this weekend and then at Kentucky before coming back home. Uh, Tennessee-Alabama, we talked about Joe Milton, Tennessee's quarterback on one side. Let's look at the other quarterback, Jalen Milrow. They had a little musical chairs there at the beginning of the season trying to figure out which quarterback was going to be best. It's going to be Jalen Milrow. He is the starting quarterback, and... Josh Heupel had a lot of good things to say about Alabama's starting quarterback and the the differences and the confusions that he creates. Here's Josh Heupel about Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow. A bunch of plays from inside of the pocket, uh, pushing the football uh, down the football field. His ability, um, you know, if you don't have rush integrity to to get out and make plays with his feet, um, is something that pops out on the tape. And and then he obviously like when the ball's in his hands uh, and he's a part of the run game, he's dynamic. So. Uh, he's somebody that you gotta have bottled up, you know, every snap. He's uh, he's a dynamic playmaker. So Brent, are you doing what Texas A&M did to Alabama's offense? Are you stopping that run and saying, "All right, Milrow, you know, if you're gonna beat us, you're gonna beat us over the top," and give him credit, he did. He had a big day. Him and Jermaine Burton over the top, and you know, he threw for 320 yards. Or do you have enough faith in your rough, your um, you know, run defense overall right now that? You kind of play more of your style, and you dictate how you want to play Alabama and Jalen Milrow. I think you play your style of defense, and, and that starts with stopping the run. Obviously, Tennessee wants to get teams in third long situations and you know be dynamic and, and be able to do some different things with coverages on the back end and that pass rush up front. I mean, it's but it's going to start with stopping the run. Uh, Rob, I, I think that's the way Alabama wants to play. I think they want to try to make it as easy on Milrow as they can. They want to – much like Tennessee wants to avoid third long, that's where Alabama wants to be. They don't want to be in any third long situation. So um, I think stopping the run on early rundowns, uh, early downs, trying to get uh, Alabama into some obvious passing situations where your defensive line can, can tee off and go is where Tennessee wants to go. I don't think they suddenly change anything schematically compared to what they've done the last you know couple of weeks or really since the Florida game. No, and, and Hubbard, I don't think they have to with this Alabama offense. I mean, it's not like they've just been, you know, lining up and running it down people's throats. I mean, they're really they're middle of the road. I mean, they're they're not even averaging four point yards, four point oh yards per carry. Um, you know, Texas A and M. I mean, and, and Texas A and M did kind of load the box a little bit, but they they really stuffed them. And um, I'm with you. If I'm if I'm Tennessee, I I don't, you know, I don't just totally shift gears and and do something different this game. I mean, Alabama's going to have to prove. To me, that they can, you know, run the ball if Tennessee's, you know, playing with two high safeties and, and not really overcommitting themselves that way. And just, you know, frankly, they they have not, you know, been just a, a bully ball, you know, team that, that's been able to do that. Look at this Alabama offense. Um, as you said, Rob, very middle of the road. You know, scoring thirty points a game. That's I mean, scoring thirty points a game. That's ninth in the SEC. That's how football changed, right? Uh, 367 yards of total offense on average, that's 10th. 219 yards through the air, that's 10th. 148 yards, that is 8th. This offensive line, though they got some some name power on that offensive line, giving up 31 sacks. Um, they've scored 12 touchdowns and 20 red zone trips. 
Austin, what you don't want, though, and we spoke with Tim Watts of Bama Online on the Rocky Top Rewind, uh, what you don't want is Milrow to kind of have a Matt Corral, kind of have a, a Bryce Young back in 2021. He's not looking to run, but he can, and he's got five rushing touchdowns. You don't want that phase of his game to take over this game where you play pretty good defense. Yeah, you have to keep him corralled. He's going to make some guys miss. He's going to he's going to move around in the pocket. The question is, is what's his accuracy like? You know, when he's not on platform, when he's on the run. Bryce Young was phenomenal at keeping the eyes up and, and making plays down the field. Um, I don't think Milrow is as good as that, right? I mean, he doesn't throw it as well as Bryce Young did. Um, you know, he, he throws the deep ball extremely well, but he gets erratic. You know, outside of that, so. You know, for my liking, you just got to keep him in front of you. You cannot let him get loose. Um, you, you've got to do a good job of tackling and, and all that stuff, you know, will be a, uh, a key part in the football game because I think yards after contact for Milrow will be something you have to watch because if Tennessee gets a hand or a finger or whatever on him, they've got to get him down because the more you let him run around back there, the harder it's going to be to defend him. Yeah, it's that play right there that had Nick Saban all in a, a tizzy after the game, trying to say Nats on a on a mule's ass or whatever with with with, with uh, uh, what's this uh, DJ Jefferson throwing uh, KJ Jefferson throwing that guy off. Uh, anyway, you, Brent, you look at this Alabama front seven. There's no Will Anderson, but you still have Dallas Turner. You got Braswell on the other side. They're getting after the passer as well. But if I'm if you're Tennessee. You look at that front seven overall compared to what it's looked like the last couple of years. Is there some confidence there to continue to run the football and, and, and play your brand of football? Well, I mean, look, I mean, this is going to be Tennessee being who Tennessee is, and, and this is not a team that's going to, that needs to throw it 45 times uh, Saturday. If Tennessee's thrown it in the 40s on Saturday, then it's probably not going real well for them uh, unless they've uncovered the, the magic formula to a passing game that you haven't seen yet. So, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee's got high belief in their run game. This is an Alabama team that is um, – Dallas Turner's a really good player, and I think they've gotten better on defense. I think they're better in the secondary than they've been, so they can commit more guys to the box. Uh, but Tennessee's spread offensive attack, Rob, just works. You know what I mean? It's like you just it, – it just you keep looking up, and Tennessee's going for seven or eight yards. They're getting these gash lanes, and, and the double teams are working, and – you know, I think Tennessee's got to keep the field the field spread, you know, as wide as you can, and and try to get Alabama's defense as spread out as you can get them, and and then go attack them that way. Much the same way they did a year ago. Tennessee ran the football very well against Alabama last season, and, and I think Alabama's rush defense was better a year ago than it is right now. Yeah, I mean they're giving up a, a little over a hundred yards a game, but also in SEC play, I don't, you know, they've not played. You know, a juggernaut. I mean, to A&M's okay on the ground. Mississippi State, you know, is indifferent pretty much about about the run game. Um, so, I mean, they're good, but not not like what they have been in years past. Where you know, with Quinn and Williams and and some of those kind of interior defensive linemen, they 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 don't have that kind of personnel in the middle. And you know, I'm with you. I mean, Tennessee's got to lean hard on it this week. I mean, I I think if Tennessee's going to go down there and pull the upset, I mean, I I think they're going to have to be close to their average, which is 230 yards a game on the ground right now. I mean, I, I, that's that's a big ask, but but I think that's reality. And I, you know, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility when you see what they just did to uh, to Texas A and M. Well, of our score predictions, we'll have keys to the game and all that as the week goes on. But Austin, kind of closing this conversation, 
you know, I, easy answer is obviously Joe Milton. He's got to play better, you know, Tennessee run game. But uh, g- give me somebody or give me some phase of Tennessee's game that needs needs to come to play Saturday for Tennessee to have this uh, pull off this upset and on the road. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ramel Keaton. You know, he's Tennessee's most veteran receiver. He's their most consistent receiver. I don't know if it's putting that number 80 back on. I keep making that joke because I thought it was funny, and, you know, why not? I mean, um, but he, he needs something to get him going. You know, I you know, Ramel is a kid that I think, you know, really goes on confidence, and right now I don't think he's got a whole lot. He's an extremely hard worker, um, so you can bet he's going to be, you know, hitting the jugs every day in practice. He needs something to go right early, Hubbard to kind of get the mojo flowing a little bit for him. Because right now, the kid that's dropped a couple of easy ones this year looks a lot different than the kid that made that laying out against Florida diving catch last year. Well, and he, I mean, he, uh, he caught the first pass in, in the two-play drive for the game winner against Alabama last year on wow. a really – you know, took a big shot when he got hit there. I think you're no one, by the way, but not to interrupt you. No, no one ever talks about the worst spot in the history of you talk about how bad officials are. He gets hit, goes to the 48, and they mark it back at the 50. Like, one of the worst spots of all time, but no one ever talks about it because Tennessee won the game. But, anyways, keep going. <laughs> don't get me started on officiating. We don't have enough time in this podcast for, for that because there's a lot of things I don't understand about what's going on, what's a penalty and what's not a penalty, particularly when it comes to pass interference. But I digress. Um, I, I do think that you've got to get – Eric, I think you got to throw something easy for Ramel Keaton early, whether that's a screen, whether that's a slant. You, you, you need to get something to kind of get him going and get, get him into the flow of a game. Now, some would say, well, you threw him an easy one and he dropped it, which which is true. I mean, you did. Um but, but I just think you got to try to find a way to get him going a, a little bit in this game and, and get his confidence back. That's where that's where Joe has had the most confidence. That's the guy Joe's had the most um, chemistry with. But but they're off right now. And and, and I think part of that's because Joe's off and, and has not been consistent enough. And obviously, Ramel, Rob, has just not recovered from that drop at Virginia. And the opening, you know, he had a wide open touchdown there and he dropped that one. And he's kind of been in a funk ever since. I mean, he's had some moments here and there, but nothing like we thought Ramel Kilton would be this fall. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what I thought his numbers would be. I just thought he would be – it's not looked like I think we all thought it would be. Just Mr. Steady, you know, whatever. You, you never know how many opportunities are coming your way, but, you know, Ramel has certainly developed a reputation over the past couple of years, a guy who's going to take advantage of those opportunities, and that, that has not been the case. And, man, I mean, AP is right. I mean, would, would brew out, would, you know, a quarterback – I mean, he, he may be a veteran, but – I'm not sure how much confidence he's playing with right now. I mean, you need a guy at wide out like Ramel that, that that you can lean on. Yeah, and I'll say this, Eric. I thought Chaz Nimrod looked like he belonged out there on Saturday. I know he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but I, I like what what he did in, in you know in really his first extensive playing time. I mean, the catch he made on the first third down was a really nice catch to open the game to start that game for Tennessee. So, I mean, I think that's a positive takeaway from the passing game that maybe you can build something there with, with Joe Milton and him because I thought he was pretty good on Saturday. I do too. Uh, he tied for the team leading targets with six with Squirrel White. I thought he looked really good. And I heard Jason Swain say on the radio earlier this week, you know, as he grows and matures and, and gets older, he's got to learn not to let, you know, those DBs throw him around a little bit. But for his first start, Southeastern Conference play, I, th- I agree with you. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, let's wrap this thing up by talking a little recruiting. Awesome Price has a lot of guys that were on campus this past weekend. 
the headliner, of course, a couple commits uh, in this committed class, but the headliner looking ahead to the class of 2025, quarterback from the Mid-State in George McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, George, uh, you know, trying to kind of feel his way through the process. You know, he just released his top 10. Um, you know, Josh Newberg asked me on Sunday, you know, kind of what do you think the timeline is? And I said somewhere between December and February. I mean, that's when quarterbacks come off the board. Um, that, that's, that's, you know, that's most likely going to be the case. And, you know, you look at George, I mean, LSU, Alabama, uh, he has some weird infatuation with UCLA. He's going to go out there uh, at the end of the month for the uh, Colorado game. Um, obviously, uh, Tennessee, uh, Georgia's trying to take a swing there, but I still think it's it's Tennessee, and don't pay attention to the RPM. That's, again, you know, that's wrong. Uh, I'm not saying Ten- the Alabama is not the favorite. I'm not saying Tennessee's there. I'm not saying anybody's there. I'm just saying 80% Alabama is just wrong. Um, uh, you know, but you, you look at George, I mean, the kid plays everything close to the best. If you're trying to read anything that he says, and that's why I told Newberg. Newberg put a crystal ball in because he tried to interpret what he said when he had him in studio. Like, if you're trying to interpret anything George says, and kind of figure out what he's thinking, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. Everybody's going to fail. That kid's tough to read. Um, he has got a poker face like no other. And, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, works to his advantage in the recruiting process. But he's all about relationships. His best relationship continues to be Tennessee's head football coach, Josh Heupel. A couple of important defensive linemen also on campus this past weekend. Um uh, of course, you had a Missouri commit. You had Jordan Ross, who's obviously a Tennessee commit on campus. Look at 2025. You have Ethan uh, Utley from Ensworth on campus. Uh, Rodney Garner, obviously playing a lot of guys, a lot to show those guys when they're in here to watch a football game. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, with the Williams kid from Florida, I mean, you know, I think he'll be back for an official visit sometime either November or December. Um, I think Tennessee's still working through that exact date, but uh, he was really impressed by everything. Obviously, Jordan Ross told us after the game that, uh, you know, he continues to feel really good about his decision to Tennessee. And then you've got a guy like Ethan Utley in the 2025 class who, again, has got a long-time relationship with Rodney Garner because his mom and, and Coach G knew each other when, when she was at Georgia and and he was at Georgia. And, you know, that Tennessee's deep in that one for the Ensworth product. Well, we mentioned Jordan Ross, but uh, some other commits, Braylon Saley being one of them. Uh, how important was those guys to, to get back on campus, to see a win, to see the environment, to see what they're about to be a part of? Uh, Braylon was just here for the South Carolina game, so he saw the environment for that. But, again, getting him back over here every week is a good thing, right? I mean, if he's if he's here, he's not anywhere else. So, yeah. um, you know, I, again, I think the more you can get the committed guys here, the better. And then looking ahead to Alabama, I know obviously Tennessee is going to be on the road, but uh, any word on if any Tennessee targets are going to be in Tuscaloosa to see Tennessee and Alabama? Uh, I think Daniel Hill may be there, um, you know, for that game. Um, if I'm Tennessee, I want George McIntyre at that game because, again, I've, George watched Alabama play in person, whether it be on the road or at home, four times in the last year, and they've lost three of them. So <laughs> if I'm Tennessee, I want George there. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, just – uh, you know, there'll be a lot of 25s and, and 26s that'll be at Alabama. But as far as 24s, Daniel Hill, I think, might be the only one. All right. It'll be Tennessee and Alabama, of course. Plenty of recruiting talk coming off the Texas A&M win at Neyland Stadium for this past weekend. And Brent Hodes, whether it's recap from Texas A&M, looking ahead to Alabama, um, content, video, podcasting. Um, we got literally it all over at VolQuest.com. And it's a big game sale on right now for the third Saturday in October. You can get $1 for one month or, more importantly, 50% off an annual subscription to VolQuest.com. No better time, Brent, to join us over at VolQuest. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you hear us talk about it all the time. You wonder what it is. There's no better time to check it out, uh, to get it at, at half price for uh, a year for the rest of this football season and then the next football season 
uh, with where this program is, with where baseball's at. Basketball is in the top 10 in the preseason rankings. There's a lot of things going on uh, in a positive way with Tennessee right now. A lot of fun stuff to talk about, a lot of fun things to write about, a lot of great things to cover. And we're going to do our best to cover it all for you, from recruiting to hoops to baseball to, to football. Uh, there's only one place you need to stop and shop, and that's at VolQuest. The standard for Tennessee coverage, football, recruiting, hoops, baseball, everything else. That is VolQuest.com. Uh, join us over here this week and get ready for the third Saturday in October. For Brent Hubs, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. As always, a special shout-out to Exterior Home Solution for making this coverage possible. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. A free estimate It's at 524-5888. Or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Appreciate you guys, as always, for being here. We'll be back for the Mailbag Podcast on Thursday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Bye. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.